Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast to communicate stories of the people and practices from far-flung ranches and dairies throughout the state in an effort to better connect them with the urban customers that they serve. In this episode, our first episode, we visit Copeman Ranch in Sunol, California. We tour the ranch with Tim Copeman, a third-generation rancher, and discuss how Copeman Ranch has been sustained for over 100 years while navigating the federal inheritance tax and how a small salamander, among other vulnerable species, helped save his ranch from insolvency. We later sit down with Tim's son and daughter-in-law, Clayton and Natalie Copeman, to discuss the future of the ranch and their newly formed retail operation. Then, we make some burgers. I'm Ryan Donahue. Welcome to Stories from California Cattle Country. ranch itself, which was once remote, is now less than a mile off of Interstate 680, which when built in the 1960s bifurcated the existing ranch and demolished the ranch house. The geography of the area consists of rolling hills of grassland, which is always accompanied by the muted hum of Bay Area commuters. It's from here where Tim and our team load into an SUV and tour the 850 acres of rangeland. Yep. Turn left into this gateway here. Off to the right is a breeding pond for California tiger salamander, uh, both federally and state listed species. You can't see a breeding pond there because given the weather conditions we've got this year, it has not, there's been no runoff at all. And so there's no water in this pond. It dries out generally about three out of every 10 years, which keeps it good habitat for the salamander, because then the predators don't get in. Predators to them are bass and, and bullfrogs. Yeah, the salamanders spend about nine months of the year estivating or underground. Oh, wow. And they live in squirrel burrows and cracks in the dirt. And they just come out to, to come to the breeding pond to, to reproduce. Quick note here, that pond that Tim is referring to is a vernal pool. And that's a seasonal body of water that's filled by runoff from precipitation and not from river or stream. Therefore, it's devoid of fish and other predators. In this case, grazing around these ponds is vital in preventing vegetation from draining the pond water, which kind of creates a newfangled symbiotic relationship between cows and salamanders. And if they, they live to eight they live to eight to ten years of age and they only meet, may only breed, you know, two or three times during that adult life cycle of them. So it's, uh, they're a little strange creature. They really are. That's, a, that's the first conservation easement we put on the ranch. And it encompasses the breeding pond as its focal point, but then it encompasses about 30 acres of the upland area around it in a concentric or a circle. And that was a conservation easement that's in perpetuity through CRT, the California Rangeland Trust. I gotta go with the lucrative livestock quote, huh? Yeah, the reading pond for the California tiger salamander proves that the California tiger salamander's the most lucrative livestock we've ever raised here. And they only have to have corrals this high. <laughs> the reason we did the conservation easements was the federal inheritance tax that we owed when my folks passed. It was uh, quite a challenge to us. I was working for wages as a range resource manager for the water department that owns 40,000 acres next to us. 
So I was working for wages and, and running a hundred plus cows or whatever. And all of a sudden I had this tax liability, uh, pretty horrendous. Uh, bottom line is we ended up having to come up with $747,000 to pay the federal inheritance tax between capital gains and the actual tax. And to do it without selling any real estate was uh, going to be a challenge. Uh, when you sell a conservation easement for financial benefits, uh, you're selling only one bundle of rights from the real estate. When you own real estate, you've got the right to paint, you've got the right to grow crops, you've got the right to do kind of whatever you want to do on your real estate. But if you sell one bundle of rights, in this particular case, uh, we sold the right to further develop or subdivide the property. We still pay taxes, we still can do whatever we want as far as grazing livestock. Given the slippage of this soil, there was not much geological chance of doing any of that anyway. We did this easement, and then we did the larger easement that you'll see at the north end of the ranch, uh, where the city of Pleasanton was putting in a, a golf course, municipal golf course, and they needed to mitigate for the loss of habitat for the Calipe Silverspot butterfly. And the Johnny Jump Ups, which we'll see, the Johnny Jump Ups play an integral role in the in the life cycle of the, this endangered species. It's both a state and federally listed species as well. Uh, so they had to negotiate on uh, mitigation sites and we ended up with a 107 acre site for them that we mitigated. So between that, uh, those, those easements, we were able to pay off the IRS finally and we're free and clear again. My grandparents, or my grandfather, my great uncle bought this ranch in 1918. Actually, November 1st, 1918, I got a copy of the deed. And uh, it was $35 an acre. So I actually look at this as we bought this ranch three times because my grandfather, when he passed, had no estate plan in place. Uh, it was not in test date, but he had a simple will. So we owed inheritance tax that time too. And that necessitated us uh, having to sell a Turlock irrigated pasture ranch, 300 acres, in order to satisfy the, the first liability. So we've been through the mill with a federal inheritance tax. So. We slowly looped the ranch and the SUV without ever getting within 100 yards of a cow. And though it's only early spring, we see the effects of the impending 2021 drought, with some slopes sporting more brown hues than green. We returned to Clayton and Natalie's home to discuss the future of the ranch and their new retail endeavor. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. You guys hear that? In preparation for this, I went on the website and bought ground beef for the burgers that we're about to, to have in a little bit. And I asked you, if, is that something you have hands on or is that something that, you know, Packer handles it? and then sends out. Your response was that, no, this is, you guys handle all of this. Like you had hands on the box that went to me. And then I promptly brought that box back here, wasting a whole bunch of you know gas, but yeah, no, it's uh no, we're completely hands on. You know, we send the beef out to get uh, processed and, and cut and wrapped uh, and it gets sent back to us and we have everything stored in freezer. So when you go online and place an order, um, you know, we'll look at that order 
Uh, we go down to the freezer, handpick out each cut, and uh, actually put it in the box, seal the box, print the packing label, and take it to the post office ourselves and and uh, and send it out. So it's yeah, we're definitely definitely hands on. There's so much work and thought that has gone into the packaging and how we're going to get it from point A to point B. When the order is actually placed, we I see everything through our website. I only ship on Mondays and Tuesdays because I want to avoid any hangups over the weekend or anything like that. All of the boxes are sent with an a inch and a half liner that is made specifically to handle dry ice and all of the meat because it's frozen and I want that meat to get to the c- customer still frozen is all shipped on dry ice and then you know i always try and throw a handmade note in there and you know because i appreciate our customers i want our customers to know us and invest in us and continue to come back and truly they're supporting our family i'd like to turn this just just around for a second i want to ask the questions here ryan yeah so last week you uh you ordered placed an order through copeman family beef and and, uh, had a package of beef delivered to your your residence how was the packaging? What did you think when it got there? Was it frozen? How long did it take? It was completely frozen. That's for sure. Like, it, no, that that was very successful. And when I opened it up, the dry ice was still, you know, super active. Oh, did like, they have the steam and everything? Oh, yeah, no, that's what I said. It was like, the, yeah, it was like the DeLorean. Oh, like, beautiful. <laughs> when we learned that we were going to come here, could we talk to you and said, well, if we get up there, you should get there, you know, earlier in spring because of, of what's going on with the water around here. Um, I'm like, I'm going to order this. Hopefully we can get it out there. It came real quick. I had to like cheat a little bit because what we're doing for you guys is we're doing regional hamburgers from Oklahoma, um, which are smash burgers. So I can't use the patties. I actually had to like reform them back into a ball oh, yeah. uh, uh, to do the smash patties. Um, but no, I'm, I'm you know really excited to see what we get out of it. It looks delicious. I just haven't had it yet. You know, you know, we have a really unique opportunity. You know, we're situated right here on the edge of the Bay Area and have the ranch here. Uh, and we welcome a number of, of guests out each year. We host anywhere from probably, you know, six to 12 field trips a year, whether it's, you know, school age kids or uh, classes from UC Berkeley, invite people out to tell our story. You know, we have a unique story based on uh, the inheritance tax issues we've gone through ranching in the Bay Area. I think the best thing we can do, invite people out, show them what we do, how we do it. Uh, There's such a disconnect these days between the urban population uh, and the rural community and where people get their food from or where they think their food comes from you know given cell phones instagram and all this kind of stuff it's like um, one thing that reigns like supreme is like authenticity you know and being able to explain exactly how things get to to you do you, does that f- kind of factor into to your guys's approach as well yeah you know <clears throat> we have the home ranch here and this is a, a piece of private property and uh you know, so we invite people out and we host field trips and kind of share what we're doing. You know, everybody wants to be a cowboy and you think when you're on a ranch and, and you're working there that you're on a horse 90% of the time, but, you know, we're actually on a horse probably 10 or 15% of the time and, you know, we're welding, we're fixing fences, we're, you know, plumbers and fixing pipe, we're kind of doing everything. So you're busy, you don't get an opportunity to really advertise what you're doing and I don't think it ever crosses our mind or, you know, historically, you don't think to talk about all the stuff you're doing, you know, it's just something needs to be done and you get it done. Over the past probably five to seven years, um, we started leasing some some outside ranches and, and, and public ground and, and running cattle in parks where people are hiking, they're riding their horses, they're riding their bikes and, you know, we're out there horseback and, and moving cows around and, and uh, you know, everybody wants to stop and, and take a picture or stop and talk to you and they all have questions. You know, that's the first time they've seen somebody, you know, in a cowboy hat on a horse 
you know, moving cows around and there's cow dogs running around and working and they just think it's the coolest thing. And then it got to the point where they're always asking, you know, well, what do you do with your cattle? Where do they go? And we start explaining to them and, you know, the, the question that always came up was, well, well, can I buy some beef from you? Do you guys sell your beef? Can I buy it from you? And uh, I think that's really where um, things kind of got started. And we started thinking, and, and, and I know Natalie, she's kind of been brainstorming quite a bit over the years and, and something she wanted to do. Um, but with all the interest that we've seen from the, from the kind of the general public, that's something we wanted to do and try and pursue. And uh, that's where we got into uh, the direct market beef and, and, and uh, you know, right from the ranch to the consumer. Yeah. And I think that's where the, you know, marketing direct to the consumer has really given us an opportunity to share our story a little bit more. Our everyday is so busy trying to just get things done there's another outlet to you know kind of share our story with people through instagram podcasts things like that every time he goes out to move cows or fix a pipe or anything like that i say hey take a couple pictures and send them to me so we can share them you know on social media and the people like especially people around here that i have never met before they will message me and say wow that's so cool I'm, i didn't know you guys did that or they they feed off of you know those little everyday things that we just think is busy work trying to be caught up every day they really enjoy because it's not something that they get to see every day so i think it's been did it actually happen today with they take some pics like where you're yeah, out? i actually you know ryan i really struggle with that because i'm used to just going out and working getting mm-hmm. stuff done and then now i got to make sure i look good my hair is right <laughs> You know, my hat's straight because I've never been a selfie guy. And here I am. I'm getting all these requests for social media pictures and videos, and I got to look good. So not only am I out there cowboying, but I got to make sure I look good. It's it's a struggle. The struggle's real. Wait a minute. And then moving forward, I mean, I don't know what kind of plan you have as a business. It sounds like to me, obviously, it's not. It's you know, a bunch of work and packing and getting all that stuff. Do you guys kind of have like, oh, next step is? Yeah. You know, our next step is really a little bit of growth. This has definitely been a new direction that a lot of people I think are trying to pursue. So I am very careful as to, you know, kind of seeing how much we're actually selling and then what our actual demand is. I don't want to get in over my head. And so I'm trying to be really careful as far as planning how much beef is coming in and actually going out the door yeah and i think you know we spent probably a year in advance of selling our first cut of meat just preparing you know um, working with an attorney going through you know natalie went through the five mary's course on direct market so there was a lot of preparation that went into it you know and we've been doing everything uh, online sales um, we do have customer pickup you know ranch pickup days and uh, and we do ship beef we've shipped uh, ship beef all over the country next month you're going to start doing some farmers markets mm-hmm. and so i think just growing that customer base we've got a pretty good base set up now but it's actually going out and reaching that next level people we don't know or they're not friends of friends it's just completely new customers and um, it's amazing how fast things spread by word of mouth or if you produce a good product you know we've had a lot of people with interest and so i think yeah just expanding that customer base over the next you know six months to a year yeah you guys are very candid about like family finances and like uh, we got hit with this you know inheritance tax and we had to like figure out ways to to to, to mitigate or navigate it. Let's say if the first time hardship came up with that first bill or whatever it was, and if y'all like sold out 
and moved to, to the coast or whatever, um, what would have become A, of this area, but then also like the tiger salamander. Can you speak to like the motivation for for kind of sticking with it? You know, it starts as a kid and, and I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, growing up, I had a lot of chores. I was feeding cattle. We, you know, showed cattle in 4-H and I got to the point where I, I was kind of burned out. I didn't like horses. Um, that's kind of my mom's fault. I had a little pony named Popcorn and she drugged me around the hills on them you know, gathering when I was a kid and he bucked me down one day and, and, uh, just kind of soured me on the deal. And it wasn't until I was, you know, I was almost out of high school before I really wanted to get back on horses and, and, and ride and rope and enjoyed it. You know, I did it because I had to, and I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, growing up on a ranch or a farm and, and, and ranching, it's not easy. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of responsibility, but at the same time, I look at where I'm at now. I look at a lot of my friends and where they're at now. And growing up with that responsibility and the hard work, you really have a respect for it. You have a passion for it. I think being able to raise your children uh, in an environment where they do have responsibility, they're around animals, they're around livestock. It's really neat to see them interact with the animals. As hard as it is at times, it teaches you a valuable lesson. You know, I've had some some dogs get get killed. I've had you know cattle that I was close to or horses that I was close to get killed. Stuff happens, and and it's hard, but it teaches you some valuable lessons. Um, I think just just the sheer fact of growing up on a ranch where you might have to go out and, and fix fence. You know, where you have horses that you're responsible for feeding or cattle that you're responsible for feeding, uh, you know, those aren't things that you just do when you feel like doing it. I mean, those are things that you do every day, morning, night, rain, shine, cold, snow, whatever. Um, being able to go out and gather cattle or be horseback or you're out there on the ATV fixing fence, you know, when you see a badger running around or you see those golden eagles flying, like, that's that's a pretty cool deal. Or just, you know, seeing a sunset one night, it'll make, it'll make you stop and and think you know like man this this is pretty cool i like what i'm doing and being out here is pretty cool we'll return soon with some stories from likely land and livestock company ranch in modoc county where we'll tour the sprawling rangeland sit down and eat in a bona fide cookhouse and of course cook some burgers thank you for listening to stories from california cattle country Yeah. Um, so basically, what you do is that the half the mass of this burger are onions. So it's smashed in onions, a little bit of uh, uh, yellow mustard, and and beef and onions. Nice. That's perfect. No, it, it, yeah, mustard and beef. What else do you need? No, I think I think it should be good. Hopefully, I don't screw it up. And then.